welcome to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast, where every week we review each episode of HBO's original television series, Six Feet Under, with your host and licensed funeral director, Victor Rubio. Hello and welcome to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast. I'm your host and licensed funeral director, Victor Rubio, and today we are talking about episode six of season one of Six Feet Under titled The Room. Today I have a guest with me. I have Vanessa McPolin. Vanessa? Hey. Vanessa is a longtime friend of mine and also a licensed funeral director in the state of California, so she could shed some light on things on the show, being that the show does take place in Los Angeles. And if I'm not mistaken, you have visited the Six Feet Under house. I have one of my first trips ever to visit California. It was one of the to-do things on my list to go see. So yeah, I mean, it looks exactly the same just without the Fisher and Sun sign. And, and I feel like this is something I should know being that I'm doing this podcast, but it, it's I know it's not a funeral home. That I know for sure. No, right? it's, a, it's a, just a residence. I'm not sure you know who lives in it but they're kind of cool with letting people walk up and take pictures and it's an oddly shaped house because it looks like the entrance is on a corner i don't do you know do you know what i mean yeah it's kind of uh the style of a lot of homes here in la especially in that in that section of la they look i mean houses are distinct all over the country but those kind of houses in particular with the that wide front porch are are kind of the style around here so it's not that odd it doesn't stand out as much as you think it would Mm -hmm. All right, cool. So let's try and start to get into the episode. Uh, This episode aired July 8th, 2001, directed by Rodrigo Garcia and written by Christian Taylor. I went to go look at previous work they have done to see if like some of that would bleed into the show. Mm -hmm. And to be completely honest, I don't recognize any of their work. So it's not like, you know, like Alan Ball, you could see some parts of uh, American Beauty, but not in here, at least whatever their previous work but our episode starts out with the death capsule for the room and mr jones and i don't know if you noticed this but they're he's never given a first name did you notice that at all never and i feel like that's such a respect thing especially for an older black gentleman right right and we're never given his first name and part of it too is i feel like it kind of lends the theme of like nate's story that you know you kind of just you don't know he doesn't know who his father is, and you don't know who this guy's first name is. It's just, you know, Mr. Jones. Well, there is the respect thing, too, you know. Uh, but he wakes up and finds his wife, Hattie, had died in her sleep. And something you had told me when we were talking about this episode was that has to be a... I don't want to misquote you. That has to be an a person of that age. Uh, yeah, fear. that has to become a legitimate fear when you hit a certain age, I would imagine, if you're lucky enough to have your significant other, you know, into your 70s and 80s. I I, I mean, I would imagine that that's got to be somewhat scary to think about, and it's got to cross people's minds more often than not, just hoping that, you know, that's the best way to go if you do go in your sleep, but that you would wake up and, you know, your probably greatest fear would be real. Do you think it's like a uh, an everyday fear? Like, do you, I don't know, because the way I, when you said it, it's like, oh God, that must be awful every day waking up and just looking well, over. I, being I, like, you know, I don't want to say every day, but I would imagine people of a certain age, if there's, you know, some kind of health issues involved or medical issues, that that's got to be something that crosses your mind. 
Yeah. Or at least it would for me, I'm sure. Yeah, I'd imagine so. Uh, and then this bleeds in right to our beginning of the episode where, and I think right off the bat, as soon as the episode started, there's like an, an immediate parallel that it, where Ruth is just holding that pan out and everyone's just kind of coming in and out. And uh, for lack of a better term, she's just kind of like comatose. And yeah. she's just holding the pan and obviously, I mean, the, the entire show structure that it's just every, it's a really sad show, you know, yeah. with, with the humor twist in it. But I just liked how she just kind of was just as while, while having conversations with, both, right. with two of the kids <laughs> hasn't moved the muscle. Right. So, and then what is, you know, this episode was titled the theme where we see Nate, he finds out that his father had traded services for work or services for trade rather and you know it got me to thinking do you think that still happens today in in 2016 i mean take into consideration the what you've seen so far which is the battle between mom and pop businesses to corporate i I would imagine for that time for that decade and for you know when you're a small business owner especially you know in decades before this one, you can kind of get away with things like that. Your billing is all done by hand. I would imagine that a lot of people did business like that. I mean, one funeral home I worked for in particular, we had not so much trading like that, but you know, we let people go with a lot of things. You you could work things out amongst yourself without having to be in such a rigid corporate structure, you know? Yeah. It's sort of like a one hand washes the other. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it, it kind of made it didn't make me cringe, but like when I saw he had the uh, the, the ledger and it was handwritten, and it's like God, like how, how do you operate so, a business yeah, handwritten? But I don't. So but then again, we're in like 2016 where freaking everything is computerized. Right. I imagine back then, you know, the whole handwritten thing was a hell of a lot more prevalent. Yeah, but you know, a lot of people, even older people who are still in the business still prefer to do things by hand. I'm sure you know that, you know, yeah. it's, it's hard yeah. to get them out of that. It, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to uh, break out of habit or whatever. Yeah, for sure. So Mr. Jones comes to the funeral home to make arrangements for his wife, Hattie, and he's sitting with David and Mr. Jones is just giving David a really hard time about everything. You know, obviously he's pretty upset that his right. wife just died and Speaking from, like, you know, again, when I, when I do like this funeral director lens or hat is he, he lends he lends a thing where he's against the embalming and David's just of trying course. to explain to him that in order to view him, to view her, you have to, you know, you have to have an embalming. So what's interesting to me is that, you know, in the in that first few minutes is Mr. Jones comes in to make arrangements with David and David sitting there and Mr. Jones is giving him a hard time. He actually says... He doesn't want his wife poked, prodded, or pickled, which is interesting because it's a term that people who know nothing about the funeral industry kind of, I think, imagine embalming in their heads when it's right. really a lot different of a process. And which, which is also interesting in this scene is that David has to kind of describe to him how quickly a body it decomposes and <laughs> yeah. how it affects you know something like skin slip and the smell which is really strange to see in in an arrangement process but something that needs to be said to someone especially like mr jones who is just not having anything that's coming out of david's mouth 
Right. And it's important because I did want to create this podcast as an informing, you know, people on the funeral industry. What's interesting here is, and it made me cringe here in 2016 because cremation is higher than ever. The way that he kind of sells it to Mr. Jones is that if you do choose cremation, you know, she can't be embalmed. And that's a, a huge common misconception on when people are having to make arrangements. You know, cremation and or burial, it's just the final disposition. So what I always try to tell or explain to people is that everything would be the same, whether you choose cremation or burial. But if you just picture your picture perfect traditional funeral, let's say where you have a visitation, then you go to mass. Afterwards, instead of going to the cemetery, you would just go to the crematory. Right. You know, there's nothing. It, everyone just seems like there's like a hardline rule that if you choose cremation, there's no embalming, and that's right. certainly and not that's, true. Right. That would just be some the difference between direct cremation and ha you know having a viewing in a funeral home and right. still having those moments with you know family and friends and doing right. all of that. And, and I like what you said is that you know, but what the public image of embalming is because the poked and prodded, and, and it's funny that when people who have seen an embalming they, they go in with their worst fears you know students and whatnot or just people who are oh, able right. to see it people think the worst and then when you see what hap actually happens in an embalming it's it's nowhere near as uh, is the word as gruesome yeah right. when it's i not... when i you know being in school and embalming my first couple of bodies and I'm I'm gonna be a little bit graphic because it, yep. this is the point of the podcast. You know, the <laughs> amount of decisions that are actually made are so minute, and the whole process is, you know, just the opposite of what the public thinks. Like I have, my friends have asked me, you know, and and I've asked them to okay, explain to me what you think embalming happens, and I've had explanations like what they think goes on in a slaughterhouse in you know the middle of the midwest you know <laughs> right. when you, with cows like i had someone tell me they think that we hang people upside down i, I was just gonna say my, my number one rule is we don't hang anyone <laughs> right. upside down do i know it's, no just do you even know how how much work that would be to hang someone upside down <laughs> it's, it's it's insane that in 2016 people it's it's still so taboo and people still have no idea and that's why there is still that um you know, that line that, that people kind of, you know, you don't have the ideal job and not everyone connects with you because they think you're some kind of either weirdo or schemer right. or whatever it is. But, you know, there's, it, it's so much different than, than people's view. And it's so amazing that most funerals have been traditional up until this point and people still have no idea right. how any of the process goes on. And it's like I said in, in, in uh, my first few episodes is, the, the media, when I say the media, I mean like TV and, and, and movies have just given you the worst of what what actually happens. Oh, yeah. I, I guess this show, Six Feet Under, kind of shed a light on it, but being that it is a TV show, they have to dramatize some things, just like the early episode with the foot, where a foot goes missing. And, <laughs> you know, people don't, you know, what's funny is people don't, people don't see David being such a, I don't want to call him uh, an a neat or anal anal about the business yeah. and treat everyone with respect they don't take that into consideration they take the foot went missing right you know yeah and it's, there, it's there's so there's far there's far more funeral directors like david than there are foots gone missing or right. anything like that yeah. you know and yeah. it, so again it's just and again it's 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 i don't want to say the media when i say the media i feel like i'm talking about new sources but well people well, like um, to people like to focus on you know the morbid or the dark or the weird right, you know right. any 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 little thing that that can 
step out of the no one uh, you know people want to think it's more interesting than it really is <laughs> right right after here uh we see when this is sometime after the arrangements mr jones kind of comes back to the funeral home and barges in on claire <laughs> and you know what's funny is after after she lets him in it kind of cuts to mr jones falling asleep on her and kind of like i was saying with the fact that he doesn't well, we're not giving his first name. I feel like it sets up the the theme of this episode, which is you know the loneliness or, or dying alone. Because you mm-hmm. know, I mean, he, he he ends up waking up with Claire and Brenda on him, and you know, he just has no idea. It's just and and especially him, as we see throughout the episode, how much how long they've been together and how much he leaned on her. You know, he's like alone, and he's yeah, literally with two strangers. You know, it's. I think it's the first moment that since we've we've met Mr. Jones in that episode that he sh- he's endearing to the viewer, or he shows any kind of weakness because you have to feel for that man in that moment that he's just sleeping on a complete stranger just to have someone's hand in his hand. You know, right, he just lost right. his partner in life and in everything. So it's kind of a sweet moment, even though he's. He's rough around the edges up until, you know, this point and then even after that point. But it's kind of sweet that he won't leave, you know, that he just will not leave that funeral right. home. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny, while, while trying to do some research for the episode, I had, you know, just, I, I couldn't get my grasp on, he wasn't a typical character, Mr. Jones. He's usually the uh, the stern I don't know, however you want to say how he is, how he interacts with everyone. But I had read a comment somewhere where they're saying that he, Mr. Jones is the guy who throws the punch and is fully expecting your counter punch. Right. Yeah. You know, like yeah. he's, he's, he does, he, he puts up a front and once you go back at him, that's when he lends his guard down. Right. You know? Yeah. I know. He, he just seems like, you know, he, he's one of those people that, you know, demands respect and he he takes his age into account. He knows everything and you know <laughs> right, nothing right. and, you know. <laughs> so as to the actual title of the episode, we see that Nathaniel had a room above a restaurant and, you know, life is hard and life gets to you and us, you know, and we, we see through his background that Nathaniel... Uh, did, did stuff to take the edge off whatever it was whether it be mistresses or as we're seeing here with the room and I thought my first reaction when I had seen this being I, I had watched this show obviously plenty of times but now as I'm a little bit older I thought it was amazing you know just a place to zone out and act immature and I was thinking right before she said it I was just I imagine that some people will look at this and be like wow that's so sad and then kind of the next thing that happened was you know Nate Nate says Brenda this is so lonely this is so sad I looked at it it was the best stress reliever just having a place well I just pictured like it's his man cave or right right his keep in mind his place of business was also where he lived so (laughs) 24 hours a day he was you know, in that building with the exception of, you know, removals or whatever. Right, he, right. you know, went to work downstairs and came back upstairs and there's his family. So it's completely understandable that that man wanted to have, you know, a space. It's funny that it was so secretive and that no one knew about it. And what's also funny is that, you know, he, that image of all the things that he did there, you're not really sure if that's what he was actually doing there or if that's what Nate was like imagining that he was doing there. You know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? It's kind of hard to, 
you know, to, to differentiate whether that was real or just what Nate would imagine that that's what went on there, you know. And I, 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 love, I think it's cool. I, lo- I love the idea of him having a space. And I love, you know, all the layers that Nate unfolds about his father in, in this episode. Right, as it goes on. And I, my question to you was going to be, do you, do you think it's sad or it's uh, not happy, but whatever. But I, I could already tell that you are on board with the idea. Oh, just as yeah. A, I especially just feel, I can't imagine, you know, when you work in, like I said, work and sleep in the same building, you know, and you're not, you're surrounded by people you work with and your family literally 24 hours a day. I mm-hmm, could totally mm-hmm. relate to needing a space to get away, whether it's to whatever, whatever he was doing there. Yeah, I mean, I'm right. definitely that kind of person. I, a little room would be ideal in that situation for me. I love, I love, there was two things when he was, when they were showing whether, again, like you had said, whether it's, it's, it's what Nate was picturing or what Nathaniel was actually doing. I loved when he was dancing, like, just like a complete idiot, <laughs> like an idiot. But you know what I really loved? And it, 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 it literally made me like laugh out loud is when, uh, he did like, uh, I, I relate it to that scene in Inglorious Bastards when they have that, the fake movie. And he's yeah. just, and the entire movie is just yeah. The, yeah. the German just shooting people out yes. the window. Yeah, well, that, he, that's yeah. That, that's what makes me think it was just Nathaniel's image because I mean, can, can, this this man really can't just have like a, you know, a combat weapon just shooting outside of a restaurant window. <laughs> I mean, that wouldn't be, but it's I, funny. I would imagine just uh, whoever uh, when they had written the scene, but then when someone read it. It had to be hilarious because it's like oh, Nathaniel. Sure. Nathaniel's drinking with a bunch of bikers. Nathaniel <laughs> brings, brings brings a prostitute into right. the room. Nathaniel's shooting people out of the window <laughs> with a sniper. <laughs> like, and then he's dancing to records. <laughs> yeah, right. Got you know beers and pizza and whatever mm-hmm. else on the floor. Yeah, I so, think I think that's a cool a cool moment. It just makes him such you know feel like such a more real person. Right. So we have, and I think up to this point, it's kind of the first time Brenda and Claire has had their their two characters. What's great about this show is, and it happened at the end of I want to oh, it was actually episode The Foot, where you see these every every all the characters kind of stick together, and then every once in a while the story will intertwine. Like at the end of The Foot, when Claire and Keith they had like their own personal moment. And I think here is the first time, I could be wrong, but uh, the first time Claire and Brenda kind of have their own story arc within an episode and where we see here is where she's at brenda's house and billy pops up mm-hmm. and oh, billy. At, <laughs> at this point at this point of the series and again i i had said it in the introduction is it's so hard to discuss this when you already know what happens right. but billy at this point is just a, a complete insane character and you see here that Claire and Billy are flirting. And I love the moment when Brenda walked in and saw them flirting. And I, 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 it's why she's an act, she's an actor, actress, and, you know, I'm not is she could, you could tell everything on her face when she right. walked in and saw yeah, them. Yeah, her expression was, completely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she just had this, oh, God. And uh, when I was watching, I was just thinking, like, it's kind of like thinking that I have to imagine that his. Billy's craziness or erraticness that's 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 attractive to some woman right it is and I I would imagine especially to someone like Claire you know it's so obvious in Claire's choice in men and just her choices of everything in life she tends to you know 
be attracted or drawn towards the more eclectic someone who seems out of the ordinary she's so whether she's forces it sometimes or she's so naturally just a rebel and just so anti you know everything that everyone else right. stands for it, it would be so obvious that she would immediately be attracted to someone like him and also he's he's definitely an attractive yeah, I, I was just thinking and that, that too. little hint of craziness is would probably make him just slightly more endearing, <laughs> right, just out right. of sheer curiosity. <laughs> yeah, it's just like you said, she's attracted to danger, and you know her her subconscious completely attracts his, I guess, conscious. You know, yeah, of how just the the two. Well, of them. that's also the moment that Claire finds out that Brenda is Charlotte. Because that's exactly oh, right, how right, Billy right, walks right, in, right? So that's a cool moment too, because yeah. uh, you know, book and her that her as that childhood character gets talked about so much in that in this first season too, and it's so I- important in her storyline later on, and just her her relationship with everyone in her life. So it's cool that Claire right. freaks out, you know, has kind of fangirls for that moment that a book that <laughs> right. she was so into is all of a sudden this woman is standing right in front of her and has been there, you know. Yeah, and it, and it's like at least to, to us, the viewer, it's kind of like, well, of course, Claire's likes this book. Yeah, you know, naturally. Brenda's that yeah. crazy. Of course, Claire's. Yeah. Gonna. Later, when Nate's kind of having this, he's having this subconscious moment where Nathaniel's there, kind, you know, they're having this, they're just talking. You know, Nate Nate asks his father, "What's the meaning of life?" And for a quick glimpse, you know, we think he's going to tell him. Uh, if you remember, he kind of yeah, leans he over, whispers in his ear, right? And then he just wakes up, right? And what I like, what I like about this show, and sometimes I, I see it in other shows, is t- to me, dream scenes in movies and/or TV are—they've been so uh, overwrought and overdone that yeah. you know you never believe. I, I never, I never envision myself with them. But with this dream, I feel like me personally, whenever I have dreams like this, when the main focus or point of the dream hits, that's always when I wake up because it's always, always that. It's always that. Oh no 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 no! Come on! If I just shut my eyes, I can put myself right back in. But I just, I just, I love that. Then he whispers it, and I, I actually tried to uh, uh, increase the volume just to see that maybe you could hear something. But it is pure, at least to whatever. Just uh, nothing. Yeah, it's just pure gibberish. Yeah, because I even went, you know, just a little bit further to see if anyone had any kind of speculation on what he might have said, and I think it's just. It was. It was just meant to. Yeah, you know, it was supposed to be a dream, like and yeah. yeah. I just yeah. like that was one of the moments that a dream sequence hit with me because it's like, yes, that's exactly. If right. I was to, if I was to sit down and film, write a, a dream sequence and whatever, that would be it. Where the end is the total, just like, oh come on, that's mm-hmm, that's course. the one I wanted, you know. Yeah. Uh, what's funny when uh, David, you know, I forget her real name. I I I wrote down her name as Mitzi. And oh, I know who yeah. you're talking about. Do you know From who the you're church, about? yeah. Right. I call her Mitzi because she's just kind of mousy and whatever. But what's funny <laughs> yeah. is uh, what's funny is this show is dated in terms not, – not not much storyline, just of what we're seeing on the screen and whatnot. If you notice, I, I haven't seen that many cell phones. I saw um, one in the, the pilot. Uh, yeah, actually, in that first season, you really don't. I mean, they come into play later on, obviously. Right, later the on. popularity grew in them, but – yeah, you know what? I don't. Yeah, that's so strange to think about. But no, there's just so much person-to-person contact. And right, right, right. Person-to-person, what's that? Yeah. 
Uh, but what's funny is when she's talking to da- uh, David and she's, you know, why? Obviously, because David's gay and he's just not interested in her in her at all. What what made me feel made the episode and the show feel so dated was she goes, you know, well, what if I was Cindy Crawford? <laughs> yes, and Cindy I had a, Crawford. It took a second for me to be like, oh, is that a joke? Is that an inside joke that I don't get? Is that? And it's like, no, I, I guess in two thousand one. Well, Cindy I, I will say the, no, I because I, even Cindy Crawford's way earlier than that. But what's funny is for whatever reason, and it went on for a really long time. Cindy Crawford was just like the pinnacle of. That's everything true. so even right. though she she actually wasn't i mean it was 2001 so that was even a little after her peak but she's still the when i think whenever you hear supermodel she has to still be one of the names that pops right, into your right. head just because her fame was so huge but yeah it is funny to hear someone like that's you know modern day who you would probably just use someone like kim kardashian or whatever but right you know, like that, that was crawford is is funny <laughs> right and, and that's what i was gonna ask is- yeah is who would be 2016 version, but I, I mean, yeah, she's the first person that comes to mind. But right, I'm sure it, it, that, oh no, I just find it funny yeah. how Mincy's she is that her whatever her name is Mincy. She just I, seems yeah. like such a mousy character, and it's just funny to watch her throw herself at David constantly yeah, and get shut girl. down. But I know for that quick moment when she just you know just says how lonely she is, your heart kind of breaks a little for her because I just must be you know. everyone's been there you know and it's just but to be like shot down and david's not you know especially in this first season you know he doesn't show that much that many layers nor really later on but especially in this first season he's such a stone kind of one-dimensional person in these first few episodes and he's just harsh with her you know he's like in how many languages do i have to tell you i like no like i I can't imagine that many, you know, it's hard to let someone down so blatantly cruel like that, especially someone who's so kind of, you know, she's not, she doesn't right. mean any she, harm. Yeah, she doesn't mean any harm. But you know what? To be fair, he did He did say I have the fiance, but then he kind of goes back on that. And- yeah, I know. I know. She just, it's, it's, it's just, it's a funny moment just to, you know. No, it, it, and, and it goes. One gets shot down so harshly. <laughs> and it goes. Time. It goes from funny to sad really quick. Yeah. And she's just like, I just want human contact. And right. it's like, oh, oh, oh. All right, this yeah, is serious. You know? I know. <laughs> I know. And right. how how many times in these first few episodes that he that he dodges, you know, his homosexuality is crazy. And I and I imagine that 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 adds on to how you know stoic his character is, just because he's hiding this giant part of his life you know all day every day and it's like you said he's one dimension and i mean he kind of literally is because he's so businesslike and yeah the the scenes we see of him in private is is when he's a completely different person he's like you said he's he's kind of stoic and whatever in in, and out the public but in his private life he's just kind of he's a lot more happy-go-lucky for lack of a better term you know Mm -hmm. especially you know him going out and you know picking up guys and all of that it's 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 a very different person than what you see you know at fisher and sons and those scenes mm-hmm. where he's at, you know at work all day or with his family right we have later when mr jones is at the funeral home with his wife and nate comes in and it's funny like you were saying before that mr jones is you know he's this wise character and he starts talking to nate and nate starts kind of giving him giving him like the the euphemisms of just yeah you know this this whatever and it's funny just mr jones just really sets him off just you know shut the f up sit down let me speak right. and 
I, I, I love, you know, Nate, Nate starts saying, you know, always be with you. All the memories always going to be there with you. And just, he just shuts it down. Mr. Jones knows better. And it's like I had said that those, those are just euphemisms. And I guess to some people, those words are comforting. But I liked how Mr. Jones is just, I'm not trying to hear that. I'm literally just trying to let my grief out. Yeah, like don't, he doesn't want don't to hear feed any me. stereotype. Yeah, no. Yeah, he's not there to don't be comforted feed. at all. Right, don't feed me. Just let me let me get this out, whatever. And you know, I kind of liked when it, you know Mr. Jones kind of checks checks Nate, and I, like you, we were saying before, I, I paralleled it before when Claire realizes that that's Brenda Charlotte in the book, and you know Brenda has Claire figured out and she goes you know let me guess the book spoke to you and you felt like the book was specifically mm-hmm. written for you she's heard that a bunch of times to anyone who probably liked the book and I just like uh, the show Six Feet Under every episode just has so many parallels of all the characters and I thought yeah. just kind of how the show opened with Mr. Jones and uh, Ruth and I thought just kind of here the two of them just kind of I got you figured out just let me you know. Yeah. Well, actually, in that moment, too, where he's talking to me, he says something. Um, they start talking about, you know, love and, and what real love is and what true love is. And he says, Mr. Jones says in that moment, he says, um, real love is when you shit yourself in a movie theater and <laughs> your wife helps you clean it up. Like, that's mm-hmm. real love. And as crude of a sentence and how not one of the you know something that comes to mommy you think about love is 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 actually exactly what true love is you know what i mean like you know nate's nowhere near that with brenda and of course and mr jones is so spot on and so real with that and so raw with it like yep you're exact that's exactly (laughs) what true love is it does not get any more real than that or a sentence like that Right, and, and it kind of how like you just said that Nate is nowhere near that. What's funny is no one on the show is near that. Oh, and yeah. That's, they kind of all have, have, all have this wall up and there's the whole everyone, there's the bickering of just kind of like, you know, give it to me real and how Nate is almost, is the only realist one. But in this episode alone, Mr. Jones is the realist one. Cause oh, yeah. That's true love, you know, wiping your ass or, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of other examples we could put up, we could um, oh, say. Oh, for but, sure. Mm-hmm. You know. But yeah, he he definitely in that moment, like of, you know, that's what quiets Nate the most. Right, like, right. When something like that is said, like he just says, like, "Boy, you know nothing about real love." And you could see it. You could see it, and that's why I, I I really like his character and the actor is. You could see it on his face, and that's where he just kind of what he's battling with the whole episode of who who am I really? Who is my father really? You see it on his face. It's like, oh, like I I really yeah. don't know what I'm right. doing. What I'm you know. Of course, yeah. Uh, we see later on and kind of before when David was, he, he's battling his sexuality and that he's, he hasn't fully come out yet. And he's at this point in the, in the season is he's at heads with Keith because Keith is, Keith is out ready to come out, is not afraid to hide it. Whereas David is still obviously still battling it. Mm-hmm. So we see here, and it's kind of like I was saying before the the show has so much symbolism and I was telling you off mic. I've watched this show so many times that when I see the symbolism, it's like it might as well have arrows pointing to it. Right. It's so plainly obvious. Yeah. And it's funny whenever they try to set up a gay scene, and you have to also take it in mind that this was 2001, when they set up a gay scene, like 
everything in the scene is gay. There's just right. it's the, so stereotypical gay, but <laughs> right. you know, it, it is cool because at the time this it they these are like progressive characters and I guess I guess they were know, more segregated. Show, right. Yeah. yeah. Did you happen to catch the name of the club that David goes into? Oh, I don't remember, but it was called Ramrod. So Ram you know, yes. you know where Dave, you know where David's going. Yes, There's and just no... when he's like, you know, when he pulls up in the van, and those guys are like walking across the street and making out, and everyone's in like black leather, mm-hmm. and it's just mm-hmm. so, it's almost eye rolling, eye rolling <laughs> right, the stereotype. Right. But you're like, eh, okay, you know, I get it. We get their yeah. setting. You know, they they really want to just... make you understand that it's a a, a gay club. So right. <laughs> definitely comes across. And what's funny is. David, he tells Mitzi to just, you know, if if you want that human interaction, go to a bar, go go whatever. And he just kind of writes her off, just to, you know, to go feel mm-hmm. something. And again, like I was saying with the parallels, it's funny here that David ends up going to a bar, right. just yep. to get some human interaction, yep. you know. Yeah. And I hear myself as a funeral director. There's sometimes when I don't tell people what I do, not necessarily in dating. But just sometimes you could get the, the feel or the vibe of a person that if you tell them what you do and it's something like a funeral director, you're going to get hit with all the all, – all, everything that comes with mm-hmm. it. Uh, the yeah. 101 questions, right. the, the why did you do this, who would pick this, what happened to you. And you it's know. cool. And it's cool. I usually like telling people if I – how do I explain it? If I'm on the same wavelength as them, that I know I right. could say what I'm going to say and I'm not going to get back. You know, do you touch them? Do they ever come awake? Yes. <laughs> but what's great yeah. is, what's great is when, so David, David picks up a guy at this bar and he, uh, the guy takes him home. And as soon as they ask him, what's he do? What's your name? And what, and where do you live? It's all lies. And mm-hmm. I, I have done something to this effect where, Maybe not my name, but what do you do? And I always go to banker, because bank to me <laughs> banker is boring. To. Well, no one's gonna ask me. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no one Why cares. did you get into this? Right. Yeah. You know, and yeah, they'll say, "Oh, well, what true. are you doing?" That's funny. That's a good. And, good and they always, one. and then they ask, you know, "What are you doing?" If, if it gets that pass where the person's and they say, "Well, what are you doing in the bank?" I just say bank teller. I've never gotten to the point where they've asked me more than that because I'd be so screwed. Because I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't think anyone can. Yeah, I don't right. think there's a person in the world who didn't already zone out after that. And it's funny. And it's funny that uh, David here he just says he's an accountant, right. and that merits that merits no further questions. You're yep. an accountant. Cool. You cool. crunch numbers. You probably are really yeah. rich. So be it. And something I was talking to you was. What's funny is because he says he's from Boston, and if we're go if we're to assume this is in Los Angeles, and I've never lived in Los Angeles, but I imagine the Los Angeles hub is just one huge, uh, just like that, a hub where while there has to be every day, you know, there has to be a supermarket, there has to be accountants, there has to be funeral directors, there has to be restaurants and whatnot. I, I feel I like s- it's all flooded with just actors actresses just people trying to quote unquote make it yeah so i've lived here um on and off for for a few years but most recently Mm -hmm. you know well over a year now and i you know if i I could take if i could take a moment i just want to set you up with what you're about to say and it's because what 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 prompted it was when david tells the guy he's in his house he gets you know he says i'm from boston i'm an accountant and the guy goes back to him and says you know that's refreshing 
and he the the quote and that's what kind of prompted this is the world outside of entertainment industry in LA now that's the real world yeah so like, like you were saying he you're says in LA, that you for, when you're in LA you forget that there's a real world out there and exactly you do man I, I I mean I my boyfriend is in the entertainment industry and it's it just you know it happens that a lot of our friends and groups here are but even when you meet it's so wild i can count on one hand the amount of nurses teachers or just regular people <laughs> that you meet and what's also funny is even people here that have normal jobs it's not right. they're not that's not what they're trying to do so they're always going to introduce themselves as a writer as a director as an actor as an entertainer they might actually work at a bank or at, at a supermarket <laughs> but you're right. never going to hear that so it's so funny and i and i love when i meet people that are not in the entertainment industry because i just it's so it just makes me feel so much more normal because i'm not in it and i just love it's funny when you get into people are you know a lot of people here are always like networking constantly even 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 in a very social relaxed setting it's everyone's number one job is to be networking here so it it is you really do forget sometimes especially when you when you're just stuck here that it's not the real they call it la la land for a reason let's just right, say that right it really and it really is between the weather and and the people and the traffic all hours of the day it just really takes you out of you know <laughs> the, the rest of the, the rest of the country and the rest of the world i remember when i was listening to the, the breaking bad podcast and vince gilligan was doing it and he was he was just talking about some scene they were shooting and the way he was talking and he just goes, you know, when we were Friday at a deadline, and I guess I'm asking you if this is true or not as someone who's somewhat close to the industry. He's like, and he was talking about a Friday deadline and it's just, he's like, there was no way in hell we were going to shoot on a Saturday. The the, impre- <laughs> the reason I'm saying that is the impression I got is that no one in Hollywood, I, I'm assuming the, the, the upper echelon, the 1%, yeah. they don't do, they don't do. Well, I would, Im- I would imagine when you, I mean, it's very different when you're working micro budget and low budget things. To, of course. When you have a budget like that, yeah, I'm sure no one's working weekends. But when you I have. Ima- I, imagine, I imagine the flip side, the, for lack of a better term, the B or the C rated movies, they only work weekends. Go D, E, F. Yeah, when you're on these yeah, micro yeah. budget. Because actually, I mean, I have worked on some film sets just out of. Mm-hmm. needing mm-hmm. work and it's the easiest work to get here oddly enough um yeah of when course. you're working these micro budget films saturday sunday holidays they they have you know a, the same thing they have a deadline and you have to get it done but it's just yeah there's so much it, it just it's not real even my apartment complex alone and i live in the valley i there's been three notices on my gate in the last six months about of shooting. shooting you know about, <laughs> yeah that they're yeah, shooting shows funny. on my block in my complex you know it's constant. <laughs> that's funny. So it's, it's fun. That comment he makes is, is so relevant and it's so yeah. real. So we have Nate takes David to the room that Nathaniel Fisher was renting. And Nate complains how the only relationship him and his dad had was a work relationship. And what Nate points out with David is that that's the exact relationship the two of them have. Mm-hmm. And clearly they're, they're at odds about dissecting their father's life. You know, and, uh, right. David wants nothing he's you know this is this was his room great so be it that was his life and nate is clearly trying to understand more just you know the 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 theme of the episode is i don't you know he says he had a great quote is earlier when he's talking to brenda's i don't want to die and nobody knows who i was yeah and 
David clearly, and obviously he has a lot else going on, he couldn't care less. And prompted me to think that we, we both have had parents who died. And, you know, if I could say, A, did you find out anything you wouldn't or shouldn't have? You know, oh, and you don't have to, you don't have to say what specifically. Oh, yeah, no, I, but, but I did. And, you know, it's, it's equal amounts, like shocking and interesting and upsetting and all, you know, I, I would even, you know, and I, and I lost my father, not mm-hmm. that, you know, only a few years ago. So I had mm-hmm. him around for most of my life. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've definitely learned things after the fact. And yeah, I mean, some of them get to you and some of them don't. I think it's a normal, I, I think what Nate's feeling is normal. But I also think it's in comparison to he was gone and David was there, you know? Right. And he so, says that. He says that. that yeah. And he was proud of him for for leaving. But Nate never got the the parenting at a certain age because he wasn't there and it's oddly enough and again we have to you you have to remember too that this is nate's subconscious so right like we were saying was that really what nathaniel was doing or was that what nate thinks he did mm-hmm. and so like you said you know he never got that the parenting of you're doing a good job you are a good son and yeah you know they find it all after i i had lost i had lost a parent uh, quite a bit ago and I have found out stuff, some of it not to my liking, but, and it's just like I was saying earlier, you only notice the bad, you forget the good. Yeah. I've kind of done the opposite where I've learned about the good, but the bad, I'm just kind of like, ah, that's not true. But the good is true. Of course yeah. it's true. There's no way it can't be true. But the bad is like, well, you don't got facts. You know, there's no facts on the right. good either, but that's what I, you know. Well, uh, yeah, I think that you bring, you know, and that's everyone's brain you know is it's a coping mechanism to you know you want to keep them in a light in your in your memory and of course so why yeah why would you Mm -hmm. harp on any of the negativity it's for what you know Mm -hmm. i found it interesting that mr jones in the episode he's kind of staying at the funeral home at all hours of the day and night and sometimes we do have families where they want to stay with the deceased for as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Your traditional viewing, I mean, depending on where you are, you know, it's usually, I know up north, it's kind of, you do the two days, two to four, seven to nine. Seven to nine, yep. <laughs> elsewhere, elsewhere, it's a lot more, at least to my understanding, just because I've only kind of been in two markets, but obviously there's a, we have a whole entire country. At least now the shift, because there's not a viewing and burial is not as popular as it once was, you kind of have like a one day thing. I say that to say there are sometimes that people want to stay there the whole time. And sometimes yeah. what's a little frustrating about that is, unfortunately, you have to, as a business, you have to charge more. Yeah. And there's more manpower needed. And you're keeping, while it's a minimal cost, the electricity, there's just more going on. You have to, it is a place of business. Well, yeah, you're keeping staff there later. You're keeping lights on longer. You're, you know, you right. have to keep your doors open. So you have to pay people to stay there. I know, I know. It's, only when you're in the business do you, do you think about it from that side. You know? Right. And what's interesting is I had, and I know you remember this, I had to attend a funeral in Guatemala. Yes. And what was funny, at the time I was in the industry for eight years. So it was, everything was somewhat traditional. You know, each country has, each country has their little different parts. What was, was, was really interesting about this funeral was it was a really nice funeral home. It didn't feel like a funeral home at all. But 
But what was funny was you have your chapel and the, the deceased is on the casket in the front of the room and you have your couches and everything. What was really interesting was that there was a, a half of a half of a hotel room connected to the chapel. So while we're saying here that it, it, it feels odd that Mr. Jones is there day and night, in at least I could speak for Guatemala, I don't know about elsewhere, that it's tradition that they stay there. Yeah. And well, I, we, had, yeah. we had slept at the funeral home and we were, you know, a party of 15, maybe more. And yeah. we all slept there and then we all woke up and then we went to the funeral and there was a shower there and everything. And the thought of that here in America is crazy. Yeah, it really is. I think I, I just think it depends on, yeah, I think different parts of the world do things differently i think different religions do things differently. of course i think our basic american you know kind of kind of run-of-the-mill is yeah like you don't do stuff like that even if you want to it's just not the proper way to do things and everyone for the most part people you know abide by that and yeah i, I just think it's it's customs and it's different parts of the world that do things differently and it's cool when you look into it and you see all the, it seems so, it seems crazy, but it's just the way it's done. I have to imagine there was a point in time when funerals or the funeral, the whole part from A to Z, where obviously there was a point in time where it all took place in your house. So your loved one died, it took place in your house. Now, obviously, I shifted to funeral homes. I'm not, I, I, I am, you think I'm crazy to think that there's going to be a point in time where. It's going to be digital, no? Where you're not, you don't get to be there. It, 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 right? There's going to be like a link where you kind of log in and. What, like a live feed, you think? I mean, sort of. I mean, it's. Pe people are, it's people are moving at a higher rate and yeah. they don't have. I mean, I, I experience it now where the funeral has to get put on hold for a few days because people have to fly in. Now, that's not the norm because obviously there's a lot of parts of uh, speaking for America where. Everyone lives in the relatively the same town and be happy. But as people keep moving, I have to imagine, I ha is it ever going to be 100% digital? Probably not. But I have to, because I mean, it, it's already happening where part of the package is a link. Right. So your family member yeah. access. Uh, that wasn't a thing 10 years ago. And oh, no. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen in 2026? You know, it's just... Obviously the way the way I get the feeling that it's headed is that um, between other people I've kept in contact that I either went to school with or I know are in the industry and they work in you know all different types of funeral homes and then even here there's um, a, a funeral home in particular that's uh, doing things completely different because they don't they kind of go against all of our traditional you know embalming and all of that is right. they you know I I, just, I think it's becoming now more like well what do you want. Do you want a traditional one or do you want to be, you know, taken care of by your loved ones in your house? Or like, I think, I think people are learning that they have options now. And do you want something that's, you know, more environmentally friendly or do you want to just, you know, take out all of that extra, you know, I think people are opening their eyes and, and there's a lot of funeral homes and different businesses that are catering to all different types of funerals now and so it's I, I don't know if it's going to become completely digital although i definitely think there's going to be more of that a subset of that i just think it's mm -hmm. going to go in a lot more different directions than the way it's been well the consumer has never been smarter and right. i don't know you know we're in the same age and i have to imagine 
the age of us and anyone below. Before you step foot out of your house, even your bed, you Google it. So, of course. and now yeah, there's more, there's more information more than ever. So yes, customers are getting smarter. And the, the part that the funeral industry is battling is trying to accommodate that because yeah. it's, you know, it's like, I always, we're moving away from your grand old traditional funeral. Mm -hmm. There's more memorial service and whatnot. I wanted to go back on who you were talking about and I want to give them a shout out one, because they, it's really cool what they do. And two, cause I want to get them as a guest on the podcast you were oh, you were yeah. talking about undertaking, undertaking LA. la right yeah. i i at one point in my career i wanted to start a business of that bringing the funeral to you i don't i've never my, my idea went as far as i never even looked at if it was legal that you could host a visitation in someone's home but i mean it, they're they're fascinating um it, i mean they have everything from a website to their twitter to a amazing youtube channel right. and they not only just you know funerals they just took she they answer any questions you have about death and they open so many doors and make it so much more of a topic that should be discussed because it's the only thing that we all have in common so the fact that it's so taboo is is actually strange when you really think about it um right yeah, they they it what they do is is amazing because they 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 give you a you know what what you want you know if you want your loved ones to be the one to 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 wash you and to bathe you and to you know be the ones that are there to bury you then that's how it should be you know they don't right it, it's just really cool i think i think you know the way i think funerals should be in it you know it's it's very different from where we work and and what you learn in mortuary school is that it really should just be a fitting of that person's particular life so whatever it should be a reflection of that too and people should get to decide how how their disposition works and what they want in it because that's what people deserve you know that should be something that becomes more popular and i hope it does right I, I i personally as as i would like to move away from your traditional funeral into just like how you said you it's you should be tributing the person who died and that's why i've kind of always liked how uh, the new orleans funeral is a party yeah it's it's i mean funerals are so morbid and so somber and so why isn't it celebration and it, right. it's so cookie cutter so cookie cutter and i love i personally love when i get a family sometimes that i can i can say hey you know one of my most favorite things is when i have a family and they talk about an artist they like or music i'm like bring me in a playlist or bring me in an ipod or a cd and let it play because you have your 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 typical your morbid funeral music that just mm -hmm. kind of plays the background yeah I've worked visitations where if they've given me a CD of well, whatever Eric Clapton, it already feels so much more personable. Yeah, and you know? that's yeah. I, I mean, I remember going to school with a bunch of there was a group of girls from Barbados in right, my right. school, and and uh, because they didn't have a mortuary school there, and they were telling me that the way they celebrate funerals is they go on for a few days and they, they get invitations and you're invited to wear this person's favorite color and it's constant this person's favorite music and you eat this person's <laughs> favorite food and you celebrate this person you know re respecting every aspect of what they enjoyed in life and that makes so much sense to me and it's, it's not so the way more... that it is but right. it makes it's, it's what makes sense and you know we'll see if we get there eventually but 
And that's what I like. And again, I'm going to, because I, I, I also remembered, that's what I like, what these, I'm going to give their Twitter handle out that they are Undertaking LA, U-N-D-E-R-T-A-K-I-N-G-L-A. And while doing research for this podcast in general, I, one of the girls, and I don't have her name right here, but she does the YouTube series, Ask a Mortician. Yes. Uh, do you, do you, yes, yeah. Ask a Mortician. And yeah. all of them has, I mean, just tons of tons of and she's she even had done a ted talks so i mean i mean they're just really at the forefront of kind of changing the industry or Mm -hmm. altering it for lack of a better term yeah it's really cool anyone who has any interest in any aspect of the beautiful industry or is just curious should totally check them out it's real what they're doing is really cool and really different when you're when we've been doing the same thing so regimented for so long and so. if you guys happen to be listening, please come on as a guest. <laughs> to get back to the show, our episode sort of ends with Mr. Jones dying at the casket of his wife, Hattie. And when I had uh, when I had seen the scene, my I want to say my heart broke, but it, uh, as a man, I had that genuine ah moment. It was so it was so. Uh, Real life, maybe not real life is the word. It was so genuine of how it how it had happened, and just how he's going on the episode that you know she was his right hand, and he can't even bear to handle it anymore, he, and he dies right there, right next to her. Right. I just, I really love that ending to the episode. It's a beautiful ending, and you do hear stories like that. I mean, they're of not course. common, but I there's no one in the world that reads those stories. Doesn't make you feel something and it's we've seen that before in movies like the notebook and i i I believe that there's another one you know when you give when when you lose someone that's so big to you i i i can't help but think that part of life is you know your will to live it so when that dies i think it's so much easier for you physically to to shut down as well you know and i just just it's such an amazing moment when you know, and it really makes you think about your own relationships and like love for a minute because it's such a, it's such an emotional moment that wow, like that that could happen. It has happened, and it's amazing that you know, people you you know it makes you think about things like soulmates and and like true love for a minute in a show that's about you know a funeral home, right? So of course, it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a really great ending to that to that episode for sure. They show him dying at the casket of his wife it's part of a of an ending montage and like i just keep saying that the parallels there's four scenes where everything just parallels because you have where ruth runs into hiriam's arms and she wants that connection mm-hmm. nate kind of connects with mr jones when that's when he finds out that mr jones had died at the casket and he gets that connection you know, and David connects, or he he kind of rather longs for when he sees the cop car drive by, and he thinks it's Keith. Thinks it's Keith, yeah. And so he's the one longing for a connection, while you know they have. And then we also see that Brenda and Claire, they're kind of smoking pot, having a beer, and that's yeah. their connection. You know, so it, it just it's a nice ending montage to the show to this episode where everyone kind of gets their connections. Yeah, I think this this show in general does such a good job sometimes of hitting certain topics. And it's cool to see, you know, when the entire show is about something like a funeral home and death. and it, But it just plays into so many other levels and so many other real, actual, you know, things that go on. And I think that's what makes this show so great and gave it such a long, popular run, too, is because 
it's not just about that. It goes so much deeper than that. And that's why I felt doing this as a podcast, as a first time podcaster, I could always just lend on, well, what do you think about death? Right. <laughs> you know, there, yeah. There's that safety yeah. net. Cause I, and, and I always say that this show asks way bigger questions than what's on screen. Yeah. There's way bigger, there's way bigger stuff going on than. Yeah. There's always you know. way more underlying topics and way more important things than just, you know, the person who died and, mm-hmm. and their funeral. We did not touch much upon Ruth's arc in this episode. Um, you know, she kind of, she obviously, as we said, as she starts the episode where she's kind of just as morbid or not moving, whatnot, as Hattie is when the episode begins. And she kind of has the struggle between, God, I forgot his name. And as someone who's doing this podcast, I should know his name. Uh, oh, the Greek guy. Oh, the florist. The Greek guy. Uh, Nikolai. Right, the florist. Nikolai, Nikolai, there you go. Yeah. And and you see that there's the in between him and Hiram that there's a back and forth of again just kind of the theme of the episode the connection and obviously we see that she ends up in his hands there's just a touch base just to go over Ruth quick she has one really cool Mm -hmm. moment in this episode um that when she's sitting at the table polishing her silver, you know, just she's, you know, you, Ruth by now, and you'll see as it goes on, when she's uncomfortable or she's going through something, she cleans. That's just, you know. And <laughs> I didn't notice that. She does. Yeah, she's forever cleaning. So she's polishing the silver that she's never used. And when Nate comes home with those pictures of her from that he found in the room from when she was younger, right. it's the first time you see her, you know, really break down. Um, mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. cries and she tells the story about how Nate Senior signed up to be a medic and they wanted a long time and he said he was going to keep these pictures with him in his pocket and she just cries and it seems so and then right away snaps out of it goes back to her polishing and says are you going <laughs> to stay for dinner like That's it's so funny. it's it's a wild moment to see you know just she doesn't she doesn't really break she's a really strong woman and almost to a fault where you don't know if she ever really fully grieves at, right. you know up until this point so i think that's a moment where she lets go for a little but she's another one who's always she's she's always looking for something to replace you know that missing that missing void in in her house now right so i, I really love that moment i just you feel like wow like that you know you learn so much about her in that you know, little 30 seconds mm-hmm. and then it's over. And then she's right back to being right. Ruth. <laughs> when they show the pictures of young Ruth and I think go, going completely off, off the limb here. And I, I would like to say I have watched, I have watched a decent amount of movies and television. I have never seen better casting for mother and daughter. Oh, right. yeah. I, you, I think you, we've talked crazy. about this before. It's crazy. I yeah. mean, Nate, Nate and David don't look like brothers, but you could buy it. Claire. Yeah, you could also buy it because of the way Nate Sr. looks. Right, right. What I'm saying is, like, nothing, nothing compares to Ruth and Claire. Yeah. You know, it was funny when you were... Uh, Frances Conroy, she's a great actress. She's fantastic. When I was listening to the commentary, what Alan Ball did, he would describe... He would say how she would do these heart-wrenching scenes, just really, you know, she flips out a lot in that first episode. And she would end scene, she would dry her eyes, and she'd be like, is that good? Do you want me to do it again? Completely just, I I don't even know how you could have that ability, and I guess that's why she's a great actress, to be able to to summon that. Yeah. And then as soon as cut scene, you're just like, so what's up? 
you want yeah, me to do it that's again? Such a, I mean, I, that's such a skill. As, as, you know, as much fun as it seems like to be an actor, and it's the dream job, I'm sure, but they, there are a lot of... That's such a skill to be able to do, to turn it on and off, because it's not the average person, and they do, you know, I guess, learn that, I would imagine. But, yeah, she's fantastic, and her Ruth is a really, really great character. Yeah, and I, I really... I like her, her arc as the season goes on, and, yeah, yeah she's just a great character. Well, that wraps up our episode on The Room. Do you have anything you want to add to no, the... thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. If you want to give Vanessa a follow, you're on most social media just as simply Vanessa McPolin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you, Vanessa, and thank you for listening. Please subscribe to me on SoundCloud and or iTunes under Digging Six Feet Under. Email me at diggingsixfeetunder at gmail.com with any questions or thoughts or criticism. You can tweet me at diggingpodcast and find me on Reddit at reddit.com backslash r backslash sixfeetunder for my post. And please join me next week as I'll be discussing episode seven of season one of Six Feet Under titled Brotherhood with special guest of the Don't Wake the Kids podcast, Randall Pierce. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for listening to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast. Join us on the next episode as we review each episode of HBO's original television series, Six Feet Under. Please search and subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes under Digging Six Feet Under. The Digging Six Feet Under podcast is in no way affiliated with HBO or Six Feet Under, and the views expressed here are solely that of the hosts. No infringement is intended.